The gospel reading this morning is from St. Mark chapter 9, verses 38 through 50, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1569. Glory to you, O Lord. St. Mark chapter 9. Teacher, said John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name. And we told him to stop because he's not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. For no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water, a cup of water, in my name, because, excuse me, (laughs) a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell. Where the fire never goes out. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than to have two feet and be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have eyes and be thrown into hell. Where the worms that eat them do not die and the fire is not quenched. Everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. The title of this sermon is similar to the title of uh, last week's sermon, which is Humble Up. (laughs) Humble Up. God chose you. You don't get to choose him or the others who would call on him. In Numbers 11, we hear that the people are complaining. Now, there's something new, right? I mean, nobody complains around here or anywhere, you know, and it's just go figure, complaining people. In fact, they were listing the groceries that they had free. In Egypt, catch that, cucumbers. Boy, that's almost enough to make me want to go under a rule of a pharaoh, you know, go back. 
Cucumbers? All of these things, they're listing. Their stomachs are causing them to stumble. We didn't hear about how to get rid of that. But they are whining. In the Bible, it calls it grumbling, murmuring. I murmur now. It came uh, after three sons. But murmuring is not good. And God was supplying their needs, wasn't he? As far as their stomach, he was. He was, he was supplying manna. Have you ever had your children say, pot roast again? <laughs> or anything else? How'd that make you feel? Mom? Dad? Whoever cooked it? I mean, it's almost one of those things where you, the child says, oh, look. Mom's last nerve, I need to touch it. Right? We hear and hear um, it was taken out because it would have been a, an awfully long reading. And not that that's a bad thing, but just for time. There's a description in um, Numbers chapter 11, verse 7. The manna was like coriander seed and looked like resin. The people went around gathering it and then ground it in a hand mill or crushed it in a mortar. They cooked it in a pot or made it into cakes, and it tasted like something made with olive oil. Sounds pretty good. It's free. Shows up every morning. But no, they want meat. Then you hear, very boldly, Moses calling upon God. What did you do to me? I didn't give birth to these people. I mean, well, come on, where are you in all of this? They're grumbling. And, 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 and all I got to give them is manna. And, and God's upset. In fact, he, um, he sends down some fire and, 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 and people are consumed and the people are scared now. Uh-oh, dad's mad. And so at the heart of it, Moses is explaining something that ministry and ministers and, and people um, uh, in that position are crying out, I need help. I need help. I can't do this by myself. First problem is you're not doing it by yourself. He's with you the whole time. But he goes on to tell God that he needs help. And so he calls out, Moses calls out, 70. And God put some of his burden on the 70. But then there's two more that are back at the camp. And the Spirit falls on them as well. And, 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 and there's a parallel between what they reported to Moses and what we hear Jesus getting reported. These guys were prophesying in your name and I, we told them to stop. Humble up. You may not see it or know why, but God's at work. Jesus says, my father's always at work. Humble up. Have peace. Let God do his will. Get out of his way. Boy, do I say that to myself often. And perhaps you should too. Let me get out of your way, daddy. Let me get out of your way. Let me not be a barrier. Let me not be a stumbling block. 
So God promises Moses. He says, I'm going to feed the people. They're going to get their meat. And Moses really pushes it this time. He goes, what am I going to slaughter all of my cattle and catch all of the fish of the sea? You know, I got a problem here, Dad. You know, I don't know if you notice all these people around here, but how are we going to feed them meat? And God says, is my arm too short? Is there anything I can't do? Well, we know what happens next. He says, you will now see whether or not what I say will come true for you. Cue the quail. And we know that story, but he provided it. He provided so much quail that I'm not going to go into the the description right now, but there was a lot of quail, and everyone got their fill, and then some. And then some. Humble up, Moses. Humble up, you 70 that think you're something special because you got called to the presence of the Lord. And then you went and saw two more where it fell beyond the group. Humble up. God's plan is not just for you. It's for all. The whole world, right? Humble up. I'm going to go straight into the Gospel of Mark where Jesus is saying that whoever is not against us is for us. Teacher John said, we saw someone driving out demons in your name. He should have just stopped there in, in Jesus' name. But the problem here was that this had been a signature part of the disciples' ministry. What was? Casting out demons in Jesus' name. That's what our job is. This guy can't do that. He's not in the group. Humble up. This wasn't an argument that the man didn't know Jesus. That's not what they were telling Jesus. It was an argument that he was not in. He was not chosen. Get out of Jesus' ways. And he could have told them that in a dress you down manner. Why would they do this? Well, it could be said that it was an attempt to do something right. They wanted to do something right. You know, just last week they were arguing on the road. Who is the greatest? Right? So now they're going, hey, Jesus, look what we did. We told this guy to stop calling on your powerful, holy name, casting out demons. You know, where's my participation trophy? Where's my little medal? Didn't I do good? And gently, but firmly. He says, do not stop him. For one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moment not say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. Truly, I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. A mighty work in my name. It's the name that gives the power to that work. 
And that person called on Jesus, a name that saves, that, 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 that heals, that delivers. And he's saying this divine work should not be stopped. Get out of my way. Humble up. Casting out demons' name firmly puts this man on their side. In a cup of water, Jesus points out that a simple act of kindness in his name, in his name, a cup of water is pleasing to God. It makes me think a little bit about Jesus sitting in front of uh, the temple and when they're putting money and people are coming in and some are blowing horns and saying, look at how gracious I am and giving money. And then the little widow comes and gives everything she has. And, and he marvels at that. We would see small, insignificant. A glass of water. What's, what's like half a penny? She gave it all. She, she knew who Jesus was. And she honored him. Jesus points out that a simple act of kindness is as important as a great act of divine intervention to throw out a demon. Now, my father's always at work, right? That's what Jesus said. I said that earlier. The disciples are going to go out two by two. They're not going to have much with them. Right? He did not say, go get your Kelty backpack, your Insulite foam, your Sub-Zero uh, sleeping bag, your space stove, and dried food so that you can eat well on the way. And um, he didn't say that, right? So these guys are going to learn firsthand what a simple act of kindness from a stranger is all about. They're going to need a cup of water. From people that aren't in the group. Humble up. God is always at work through you and through people you might not think can do it. God does. Those simple acts of kindness as the disciples go out would have an impact on their ministry, on their lives, and yes, even on the world. And your simple acts of kindness, your simple acts of, of charity, of love, impact the world and are pleasing to God. Causing to stumble. Jesus goes and he grabs a little person. And he says, if anyone causes one of these little ones those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them, the ones that caused them to stumble, if a large millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. I've not seen other than pictures of the millstones that they're talking about. Some are big and some are small. The ones that he would be referring to are ones that could be only pushed around with a donkey. You know, one mule power, I guess, is that how that works. It's big. How long can you tread water? I can float for a long time now, so I mean, but a millstone probably would make. But the, the fact is, you're going down. And most would not prefer a, a, a deep uh, submission or submersion like that over 
not causing one to fall. It's important to God. The word that Jesus used was, um, or that is uh, used in this in the writing, is um, the Greek word "micros," and it means small. And he used the smallest child here. And in using micros here, stress that the value God places on the smallest. Even the smallest is able to believe, despite the youth and the size. In that culture, women and children were not valued as we do or should value them today. They were, not, they were not valued. Jesus turned that whole idea of that culture of, of women, their, how uh, wonderful and powerful and um, their ministry is, you know, God loves and shines on women as much as he does on men and children. He points out they are not missed by God either. The smallest thing, a small cup of water. That child is not insignificant, so do not hurt them. The seriousness of uh, that is, again, uh, it's dangerous to reject the word of God. It's dangerous not to listen and heed his word. Humble up. The seriousness of that sin for those who would cause a child to be lost is grave. And again, I I say God seeks those who have been led astray, right? Didn't Jesus say, I came here for the sinners? I came for the lost. The shepherd that leaves the 99 and goes after the one. I mean, can you see that? Would you go, whoa, you got 99. I mean, what's one? That's not how our God works it. All of them are valuable. All of them are noted. All of them are precious to him. And this is a hard part of the reading too. If your hand causes you to stumble, off, stumble, cut it off. Wow. Really? It's better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go to hell. And we know then you cut off the foot and then you cut off or pluck out the eye. All of these things, that if they cause you to sin, the point is it's better to get rid of those, those things that are dragging you away, that are causing you to stumble, your own body, than to forfeit the offer of forgiveness, the offer of everlasting life. It is those that reject Jesus, reject the one who sent him. It's dangerous to do that. And if a person does that, he spells out what the consequence is. That is, in verse 48 here, it actually is uh, referencing Isaiah 66, verse 24. And it reads, and they shall go out and look on the dead bodies of the men who have rebelled against them. For their worm shall not die, their fire shall not be quenched, and they shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. This is proof, this is telling you and me that hell 
is not the kind of place that some people cavalier, cavalierly, cavalierly say, I'll just go to hell because all my friends will be there. I've heard that, you know, and, and I might even chuckle that at one sort of time. But I know this now. It ain't going to be a party. And Jesus says that. He's talking about the uh, Golgotha area where it was a dump and all kinds of nasty stuff was thrown out there just like we do in our dumping areas. And they would set it on fire. They didn't have EPA back then. And it was always burning, foul, hot, stinky, awful, continual. Jesus promises God through the prophet Isaiah says the fire doesn't go out. And worse than that, there's a worm that does not stop irritating you, hurting you. A parasite eating you from the inside out. This is not going to be a party. He says so plainly. Rejecting the word of God is dangerous. Accepting faith through the Holy Spirit is recommended. Amen? So finally, Jesus talks to them and, and says this little uh, mini parable about salt. It says, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. Salt is a chemical compound that does not lose its saltiness. We have, you know, our, our salt, and I don't care what you do to it, it's still salty. And I can tell you stories about my experience with salt, and very recently I, I put almost uh, a third of a pound of salt in some soup I was making. How did I do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, it made marinade. Um, what happened was I was making this bisque, and it was really, I was so excited and pretty proud of myself, and so... I unscrew the cap of a seasoning salt that I don't normally get, right? Well, the kind that I get has the little holes in the top of the disc. This kind just opens the whole thing, so I go. And I won't tell you what a pastor says when he does that, but I'm starting off at zero on Monday for... It didn't lose its saltiness. I don't think there's enough water in Southern California for me to dilute it and... And I don't want to eat that much bisque. But at that time, the salt was a mixture of sodium chloride salt and other minerals. Okay? And if the sodium chloride leached out, then all you had left was these inert minerals. No salt. Saltiness. And you can't make that chunk or whatever you did, however you worked it, salty again. And so they would... Uh, as, as history tells us, they would throw it out on the road, right? And it would, you know, crample it down so they have gravel and so forth. It wasn't worth anything more than wa walking on. He's saying stay salty. He says if the disciples are the salt of the earth and they lose their essential faith, how can they be salted again and by what substitute? There lies the problem. If we're not staying in the word which, which uh, equips us, how do we remain salty? You see, faith is what the salt represents. 
And faith comes from hearing. And faith comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. So you're salty, and you're not going to lose all of your salt, but he's not exhorting us to just be you know, a little salty. He's saying be really salty with each other because your faith gives you and me peace. I have faith that was given to me. You have faith that was given to you. That is that you are covered in your baptism with Jesus' righteousness. That gives you liberty to go out, to talk to those that are not in the group. That gives you liberty to be kind to those when they're not kind to you. That gives you the ability to be at peace with each other. He's telling the disciples, you guys are lacking. You need to be at peace. You need to not let that salt get leached out. Only faith in Christ brings peace. And these contentious disciples needed peace. It's what you and I need. Jesus, only Jesus brings us peace. So where does that leave us now? Well, back to the sacraments again. You received your faith through the holy sacrament of, the bapt- of, of baptism. Today, you received the gospel A little bit of law in there, but a lot of gospel. Jesus did this for you. Jesus made you salty. He gave it to you. Jesus is saying, allow me to do my work in you. Jesus is saying, allow me to do my work in others. If they're not in the group, invite them in. Jesus comes to you here at the altar with his body and his blood shed for you, saltiness, replenishing your salt, assuring you of your salvation, giving you that boldness to go out beyond your comfort zone, allowing you to have that boldness to speak and love in peace with those that are outside of the group. In Jesus' name, amen.